Let's go. Let's go. That's how, that's how you do damage. That's how you do damage right there. That is it. Um, that is how you let them know. Hashtag let them know, in fact. Um, but it's, it's time to finish the job now. The Knicks, the New York Knicks, go up 3-1 to one after their win yesterday afternoon at the Garden. They do their job and split on the road. And after they split on the road, they come home and they take both games. But now we must finish. Now we must keep the foot on the throat and stomp. Now we get what could be the toughest part of a series like this, and that is closing it out. One game in Cleveland, and then if need, if need be, um, one more at MSG, and then, God forbid, this shit goes seven, <laughs> one more in Cleveland. Um, you know, I heard Mike Greenberg say on ESPN last night, teams that go up 3-1 in an NBA playoff series go on to win it 95% of the time. And I got to say, did not like hearing that number. I could have definitely won without hearing that. (laughs) It's not not what I want to hear. Um, But, hey, yes, it's all good right now. The Knicks now have to finish it off and, and, you know, if you listen to their interviews, Jalen Brunson's post-game, Thibodeau, it's the mentality you want. Not that I give a damn about that talking shit. But the Knicks seem to answer the bell every single time they're tested or on the big stage. And nothing has changed so far this series. So what a win last night. The Garden is something else, man. It's something else. It's it's amazing energy. So let's get into it all. Episode 514 of the podcast. If I look up and if you're watching the video format of the show. And if I look up every once in a while, it's because I'm watching the um, second fiddle New York New York team um, get their doors blown off them. That is the New York Yankees. All right, it's four nothing with the bases loaded, one out right now. In like was it the, four, the fifth inning maybe or sixth? <laughs> so yeah, they're 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 no longer the meat and potatoes of New York. We know that now. The Knicks. You could make a case, and and I'm making the case right here. The Knicks have a better shot at winning an NBA title in the future than the Yankees. That's a fact. Let's start off with that. Episode 514. Go Knicks. Let's get into it. Welcome to BD4, an RJ Carbone podcast. BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. BD4 is a five-star show on Apple Podcasts, also available in video format on YouTube and Spotify. So thanks for stopping by, and we hope you enjoy the show. Champion of the world, looking, see ya! Anthony for three, And showing some dexterity as well with the left hand. Yankees win! Hey, let's get into it, man. This is such fun. 
I've never had so much fun watching a, a Knicks game in my life. Like, I'm having so much fun. Um, let's talk about this one, man. It seemed like from the gate, the Knicks wanted this one more, too. I think I, I th- I'm, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm not trying to give a hot take or anything. I think the Cavs are shook. I do. I honestly do. I think, I mean, this crowd, this fan base is, it's unlike any sports crowd you're going to see regarding how wild it gets in the building. This fan base is hungry and loud. And I think the Cavs weren't ready for it this past weekend. I don't think they were ready for the Garden. And that showed in both of those weekend games. And again, if you are watching the video format of the podcast, if I look up every once in a while or or often, I'm going to be looking up often. It's because I'm watching the New York Yankees right now. All right, it is a Monday night. And the Yankees are getting slapped around a little bit for nothing. Um on the verge of falling to a very very mediocre 13 and 10. But the Knicks start this game off pretty steadily. And they looked solid on both ends. RJ getting to the basket out the gate. We'll talk about him. Mitchell Robinson, talk about him under the basket on the offensive boards protecting the rim. The Knicks slowly build a 15-point lead in the second quarter. The Cavs storm back, though, towards the end of that second quarter behind Darius Garland, not Mitchell. Garland's out there cutting to the basket off the ball. He's knocking down the three-point ball. The Knicks lead shrinks to nine points at halftime. Then, after Garland keeps cooking in the third quarter, they take a lead for a few minutes. You get Brunson, though, heating up at the end of the third, early fourth quarter. He drops eight points of his 29 points in the fourth quarter. And the Knicks eventually win behind some big-time defensive plays, timely baskets. R.J. Barrett finishes with 26 points on the night. He drops 10 points in the fourth. Josh Hart is out there knocking down clutch baskets. The defense is there. The turnaround jumper in the middle of the lane. He scores 19 You get a Mitchell Robinson double-double. The defense was unreal. And so the Knicks take this one 102-93. I want to start there, though, man. That's kind of where I want to start. With Mitchell Robinson and the Nick Biggs and their ability to crash the offensive boards. Because to me... That was the number one reason that we're all in a good mood today. All series so far, Cleveland's game plan in pick and roll has been to bring up the bigs from the paint and get them up at the level to blitz Jalen Brunson. What that has done is it's allowed the Knicks, Mitchell Robinson especially, to get into better positioning down low for those offensive rebounds. On the series so far, the Knicks have 58 offensive rebounds, which gives them a plus 16 in that category. They have 16 more offensive rebounds than Cleveland does in the series. In yesterday's game specifically, 
The Knicks grabbed 17 offensive rebounds to Cleveland's 7. That helped the Knicks win the second chance battle 21-12. Mitchell Robinson has been a menace on the glass. He finishes last night's game, or yesterday's game, I should say, with his first career playoff double-double, going for 12-11. and 11. But it wasn't just that. It was there, there was a ton of loose balls that he was poking out to his teammates too. Those don't count as rebounds on the box score. He was boxing out like three, four guys at once. To be able to create those second chance opportunities for the Knicks so often up to this point in the series has been the sole reason the Knicks offense is just slightly better than the Cleveland offense so far, which is a big difference in the series. Because like in the regular season, the Knicks shooting percentage numbers aren't great. But also like they did all year, they're getting a ton of extra possessions. The volume is there because of those second chance opportunities created by Mitchell Robinson, Isaiah Hartenstein, Josh Hart late in the game. How about that big rebound he got towards the end? And how about Obi Toppin with five offensive boards yesterday? My favorite one being the one late in the game um, off of an R.J. Barrett miss. Obi grabs it in traffic, dribbles it out, resets the offense, and then scores on his own by putting the ball on the floor, bullying past Donovan Mitchell, and finishing off the glass past Jared Allen. So the offensive rebounding, it's the positioning, it's scheme, but it also just goes back to plain old hustle. The Knicks are playing more physical once again. And they, they just, they simply seem to want it more. So shout out to the Knicks Bigs for playing a phenomenal game on the offensive glass. We'll get to the defense. Um, but that's part of the reason why I'm giving Obi Toppin the game ball from off the bench. Because I thought Obi Toppin had himself an excellent game and a tremendous fourth quarter Bing bang. great fourth quarter for the next between his defense and rebounding it was big time big time the offensive rebounding the scoring was there he knocked down the deep catch and shoot triple in the second quarter looked very confident in that shot that's a big thing with Dobie. his confidence um, created a little bit of offense for himself later like we said getting that offensive rebound um but yeah, I mean, Obi Toppin continues to play well. He keeps giving the Knicks some very good, very productive playoff minutes, man. And with Randall playing the way he is, that's that's important. So I'm happy to see Obi Toppin thriving. So I want to start off there by giving him the game ball from off the bench. Obi was great. Um, But I really loved, in this game... I was paying attention to it a lot because I liked what we saw. We saw flashes of it in Game 3. But I really love how much of an effort the Knicks seem to be making offensively to move off of the basketball, run half-court sets, because we know the full-court game has been most of their offense. They're doing a lot of transition play, defense leading to offense, but I was looking at their half-court offense in this game. In this game, a lot of their half-court offense was very sharp. A lot of screening for guys to get them going. Right away. Right away in this game. The Knicks start this game out by setting up R.J. Barrett and getting him downhill. 
You have the Brunson DHO up top below the logo. RJ comes to it weak side. Robinson from above the elbow with the step-up screen. And then RJ attacks left. Late second quarter. I jotted a few things down, so I want to go over them. Late second quarter. The Cavs are playing pressure defense on RJ. They're denying him the ball. So the Knicks ran offense to get RJ going downhill again. They used a three-man action between RJ, Brunson, and Robinson. Brunson's up top and passes to his big, Mitchell Robinson. Brunson screens while RJ, as the off guard, comes around from the screen. From the we- comes around the screen from the weak side to receive the pass for Mitch. Um, from there, RJ goes left, attacks the hoop. It's an action you've seen plenty with Golden State. Steve Kerr, I remember used to, you know, he I, I back when like the Golden State Warriors were on top of the world. I remember him see. Um, I just remember seeing him use it a lot for Steph Curry. Uh, Brad Stevens, when he used to coach the Celtics, ran this very well in the past. It's I forget what the name of the set is, but it's it's all up top. You got your point guard, your big, and then your weak side wing. It's a great counter to pressure basketball. It's a backdoor play, or in this instance, a DHO action. Um, early fourth quarter, RJ running the pick and roll with Hartenstein. A simple one five, uh, simple three five pick and roll there. Hartenstein screens from from the uh, right elbow three. RJ comes around it, goes right, shifts and changes speeds a little bit to get by Mobley, and then he finishes right under the rim at the basket with his left hand. Middle of the fourth quarter, the Knicks are up seven. You had RJ Barrett set a couple of uh, wedge screens, a couple of UCLA screens, sets one at the right elbow for Josh Hart. Then he comes up to set another screen for Brunson on the right elbow three. And with the corner unoccupied, RJ cuts to it. Brunson finds him open out of the trap. And then RJ takes Levert off the dribble to finish around Jared Allen at the basket. And then literally not even a minute later, you get Tom Thibodeau running that same exact action. The difference was, this time, Cleveland was ready for it. They were able to rotate Mitchell onto RJ a lot quicker, so this left Brunson in a trap with nobody open on the ball side. But, because Brunson's a great point guard too, which people forget, he's able to make a quick read, and he kicks it weak side to Josh Hart, who had a wide open lane for the dunk. The Knicks go up 9, with less than 5 minutes left. I I love seeing the Knicks run those guard-to-guard screens, man. You saw it game three. You saw it some more game four. Late in the fourth quarter, Josh Hart screens up top for Brunson. The Cavs trap, so it leaves Hart open in the short roll. So the defense collapses on Hart a little bit. And what does he do? He kicks it to R.J. Barrett wide open for a a wing three-pointer. Now, the shot didn't fall there, but the Knicks' aggressiveness and determination on the offensive glass helped them get another possession off. It was actually the possession that ended up being the dagger of the night with the Brunson three-point ball. And those guard-to-guard screens, I like them because it leaves the big in the paint, so Cleveland can't trap with that much length. It also allows, again, Mitchell Robinson to get in position early for the offensive board. Um, If you go back to the third quarter, late in the third quarter, Josh Hart again, he's coming up 
and a guard-to-guard screen for Brunson. But this time, he flips the screen to leave Donovan Mitchell in this no-man's land on the left side. Okoro is the one getting walled off from the screen. And it leaves Brunson with all this space to create a pull-up three-pointer for himself. And he puts the Knicks up two points with five seconds left in the third quarter. I thought that was such a significant shot to get the Knicks some momentum again after a tough quarter. So credit to Josh Hart for coming up, faking the screen one way, and then switching direction to get Donovan Mitchell out of the play. Um, I was a little worried too, to be honest, about, about the spacing on the floor with Josh Hart starting over Quinton Grimes because playing Hart with RJ... The spacing's not great. It allows the defense to pack a little bit. And to Cleveland's credit, the Knicks did shoot it poorly, making just eight three-pointers at 28%. But the good thing about Josh Hart is that he doesn't let the way you play him, he didn't let the way Cleveland schemed him dictate how he's going to play offense. He still found a way into the paint. He scored 19 points, five free throw attempts. Make, uh, he had five makes inside the restricted area on nine attempts. So he still got into the paint and attacked. He only knocked down one triple, but it was with Mobley playing off of him early on and packing the paint. So it gave the Knicks a nice five-point lead when he knocked it down early on to help get them going. And he's an efficient three-point shooter. He just doesn't take a lot. Because he's not that good enough at it. To do it at a high volume. But he also did a lot of work off the ball. In transition. Knocked down the tough turnaround floater. In a pretty packed paint late in the game. So he made it work. And Thibodeau staggered those two a little bit too. Throughout the game. So it worked out. Uh, The Nick offense in total. Sure not a ton of points. But they played to their identity. Scored 50 more points in the paint, crashed the offensive glass, and man, did they make some timely asses, uh, timely ass shots. Like in the third quarter, the Knicks were struggling. Randall, as bad as he was in this game, he ties the game up by attacking Mobley baseline. He spins, draws contact, converts the layup, gets the whistle for the M1. In the middle of the fourth quarter, the Knicks are up five points at the time. Obi Toppin grabs the huge offensive rebound off the RJ miss. Like I said, he dribbles out to reset, attacks the basket to put the Knicks up seven. It was a big shot. Really nice job using his size and, and strength, handle, his athleticism. And of course, the dagger with Jalen Brunson at the end. Hart grabs the massive rebound. Swings to Brunson with 13 seconds on the shot clock. He takes it. But he was open. He had an open look and he knocked it down. Knicks up 10 with less than two minutes. So, I loved the way they ran offense. I want to talk about their defense. When we return from break, we'll be right back. and We'll talk about some defense. Hey guys, so if you are a listener of the podcast often and you want to know where to find me on social media, You can find me on Facebook at BD4. You can find me on Twitter at BD4Pod. And you can also find me on Instagram at Rob J. Carbone. If 
BD4 is located on many different platforms. You can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, and if you do there, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review. You can listen to it on Spotify, but you can also watch the podcast on both Spotify and YouTube. BD4 is available on many other platforms as well. All you got to do is search it up. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and much more. All right, welcome back to the show, episode 514 of the podcast. I'm your host, RJ. Now, I'm your host, RJ. Sorry, was my mic just muted? Let me see. Testing. No, we're good. Um, Oh, my God, the Yankees are a mess. Judge can't hit. Volpe makes another error as he proceeds to strike out. Cabrera now makes an error. These guys suck. Cashman's team. Um, the Nick defense was, was of course, excellent in this game, and, and it continues to be excellent. Uh, smart hustle plays, plays designed to stop Donovan Mitchell and really any other penetrators, quickly is out there missing everything this series. He can't buy a bucket. He's been terrible offensively. But the difference between a player like Quickly and a player like Randall, who we'll get to, is that Quickly doesn't let his poor shooting bleed into his defense. There's a reason that Quickly's been a positive plus-minus guy this series. Go watch um, watch back that first half. I think it was in the first half. The offensive foul he drew was a really good example of Emmanuel Quickly using his IQ, his high IQ, no pun intended. There's a play where he knows that Rubio is about to come set a screen for the ball handler, so quickly recognizes the action, and he sprints up to the level to position himself right in front of Rubio in order to draw the offensive foul, and he does. Smart shit like that. How about Deuce McBride and his unbelievable point-of-attack defense, which we've seen so often from him? He's out there fighting through a jillion, gabillion, trillion screens, Getting right back into the play every single time. There was a possession maybe in the first half. He's in the point of attack against Mitchell. Jared Allen tries screening him off. But Deuce just goes right over, fights back into the play, chases down Donovan Mitchell again, kind of walls off the lane, and then he forces Mitchell into a tough scoop layup in which he misses. And in that same exact possession, where quickly draws the offensive foul, You had Deuce McBride fighting through the screen on the weak side. He sticks with Mitchell and then deflects a pass to disrupt Cleveland's set. It's just smart hustle shit like that that you have to love. And also, you got to go back and credit the Nick Biggs on the defensive end um, for really stepping up in the back line. That's why you have them there. If guys get beat on closeouts, they're right there. If guys get lazy, they're right there. Early fourth quarter, fourth quarter, right away. Not fourth quarter. Early first quarter, right away. Um, Mitchell Robinson stunts off his man to deter Donovan Mitchell from driving. He forces Mitchell to pass down to Allen, which Mitch not only deflects that pass, but he recovers back down to Allen too to pick up the block. Late second quarter, Josh Hart gets a little over aggressive on a closeout. Donovan Mitchell gets by him, but he's met 
by Mitchell Robinson smack in the middle of the paint for the block. Third quarter, Randall gets beat baseline after a poor job closing out on Okoro, but it's Hartenstein right there for the help. Hartenstein gets the block, and it leads to transition offense for R.J. Barrett, I think. So I thought the defense was fantastic in this game. Holding Donovan Mitchell to just 11 points was fantastic. Deuce McBride did well on him. Always does his job in situational minutes. R.J. Barrett had his moments. Mitchell Robinson did his job. Um, How about Josh Hart on Donovan Mitchell? For, For most of the game, he was on Donovan Mitchell. And he really, really did a nice job. 5 of 18 shooting from Mitchell. 0 of 5 from 3. 6 turnovers and a minus 8. Hart was playing physical on him, man. Just bumping him. Uptight on him. Using his his body. Mitchell did a nice job creating some space for sure. But Hart did really well in one-on-one. Using his size to his advantage. Forcing tough shot after tough shot. Baseline turnarounds. Runners at the rim. Even that possession with two minutes left that brought Cleveland within seven. Look at the defense that Josh Hart played on him. Just forcing tough shots. Draining energy out of other players. RJ Barrett. I want to give him the game ball. Because I thought RJ, for a second straight night, was excellent. Bing bang. RJ Barrett in this game. 26 points. 9 of 18 shooting. 0 of 6 from 3. 8 of 13 at the line. Yes, the the, the shot is still off. Uh, but he's playing to his strengths again and going to the basket. Man, the Yankee offense is dreadful. Holy Christ. I have a four-pick parlay today. I might not hit a single pick. <laughs> um, I, I think back to a quote from, from the end of the regular season. Um, I forget what game it was, but it was towards the end of the season after RJ had himself a big night. And, and Tibbs is out there basically speaking to RJ through the media in his post-game presser, saying something like, you don't need to do all that fadeaway stuff. Just go up and finish strong. I'm paraphrasing, but it was something like that. And that's what he's been doing the last two nights. That that's Last night, he goes 9 out of 12 inside the arc, 75%. He's not messing around. Like Tibbs said, he's not messing around. And he's not settling for those fadeaways, those tough turnarounds, or, or the tough shots where he, you know, those hook shots where he stops short at the basket, pivots and throws up, you know, throws it up all wild. He's not doing any of that crap. No, he's going right to the hoop. He's playing in transition like he does, and he's getting set up for success in a half court too, like we broke down just a few minutes ago. Yeah, it's it's good to see, you know, because everybody's been criticizing him, including me. But um, to have that happen is huge. He scored ten points in the fourth quarter. He's been coming through big time clutch. And again, with Randall as bad as Randall's been. It is so important that RJ has stepped up to be that 1B to Brunson this series. And it's quick decisions too. He's been passing very nicely. Even in game one where he didn't shoot well, he's passing. That's the whole story with him. That's where his efficiency will see an increase. If he's driving to pass more often and not just to score, he'll be more efficient. 
Find that balance. That's what he's got to do. He's got to be self-aware. And like we said last episode, he's got to know his limitations. Right now, he's found that. All series long, he's done a nice job in the Knicks driving kick offense. He drives. He gets the defense to collapse. (laughs) Jesus. Draws the double team. And then, um, this team sucks. This Yankees team is horrible. He draws the double team, and then he's, he's... Making the kick out. Making the right decision. Now, the Knicks haven't totally capitalized on their outside looks this series, so RJ's assist numbers are still pretty low. But the process is there. You just have to hope they start dropping. Um, so RJ's been great. One guy who has not been great, Julius Randle. Julius Randle has has got to find it. And if he doesn't, he's got to give them something. He's averaging 15-7-2 this round. on um, 32% from the field. 26% from three. 64% at the free throw line on just 3.5 attempts. 3.5 turnovers per game. And some of the worst defense you will see. Yesterday, in 27 minutes, Randle goes for 7 points. Two rebounds, one assist. He shoots three of ten, 0 of four from three, one of three at the line. And again, some of the worst defense you will ever see. He looked, especially in that third quarter, completely disinterested in playing drop defense yesterday. He didn't bother rotating. His rotations were a mess. There was no help defense. Very lazy closeouts. Offensively, uh, some unnecessary step backs. He continues to settle for wing isolations onto Mobley, which again is a very unfavorable matchup for Randall given Mobley's wingspan. It's hard to shoot over a lengthy defender like Mobley, but Randall doesn't seem to care. He does it anyway. He's got to find the pass more often. I don't. I don't know, um, but yeah, his defense in that third quarter was abominable. Um, it, it was He was just completely disengaged out there. To be specific, early in the third quarter, you had Cleveland run a 2-5 pick and roll with Garland and Allen. You had Donovan Mitchell in the strong side corner with Josh Hart on him. Mitchell can shoot. And on the other end, you have Mobley in the weak side corner with Julius on him. Mobley can't shoot. So with Allen rolling to the... Allen's rolling strong side. Hart obviously can't help off of Mitchell. So that means Randall has to be the one to rotate over and help. Right? No. Randall stands there, barely budges his body, completely unbothered. He just lets it happen, and the Cavs penetrate to the basket to get two po- uh, to come within two points. Late in the third quarter, a very poor closeout on Okoro in the corner where he gives up the baseline. Fortunately, like we said, Hartenstein was there to save the day. But literally the very next possession, Hartenstein couldn't save him. Because Cleveland, again, they have Okoro in the opposite corner. And Randall gives up the baseline, and this time Hartenstein couldn't cover for him. The Cavs go up one. I don't know what it is, man. But this guy is just... its Whenever he's not on offensively, he couldn't care... Two shits about the defensive side of the ball. And that's why a lot of people don't like him. This is New York City. We're going to expect you to try. 
to put forth your 100% best effort? I don't know. This guy just doesn't seem like he's built for the playoffs. He doesn't seem to have that mental strength. He can meditate all he wants with Yoshimoto. It's not going to work. Because um, we're now nine games into this guy's postseason career. And I don't think this guy's had one game yet where he's looked like an all-star player. 36%, Those were Julius's field goal percentages in the Hawks series two years ago. 30%. Those are Julius's field goal percentage this series against the Cavs with an actual team behind him now. It's no longer just Randall. He's got guys behind him and he's still having trouble finding the bottom of the basket. So if the Knicks are to go anywhere deep this postseason, if they want to make a run, if they want to beat Cleveland and then make this run for the ECF, it has to be with a good Julius Randle. Because I don't see them doing much if they can get past Cleveland. If. I don't see them doing much, the Knicks, if Randle's out there trying to sabotage things. And you also have to credit Tom Thibodeau, right? Credit to him. How about that? Three years, three, four, four years with this Thibodeau-Randall tandem and with Thibodeau having this reputation for never holding Julius accountable. Never. Ever. He finally does it. He finally benches him. Julius Randall on Saturday night, zero minutes in the fourth quarter. Nothing to do with the ankle either. So you got to credit Thibodeau. But yeah, those 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 tough shots they may have fallen in the regular season, but come playoff time, they don't drop as often, and you don't look as good. Credit to Mobley; he's been shutting his ass down. He's a great defensive player. Randall's not been able to get the foul call on Mobley. I don't think it's his ankle. I'm not blaming his ankle. Because he's playing. I'm sure he's a little bit banged up, but it's not going to be the excuse. Randall's fine. He's got to be better. On a bright spot, a guy we haven't talked about enough yet, Jalen Brunson. 29 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 steal, 1 block, 11-22 shooting. 5 and 9 from 3. 2 and 2 from the free throw line. Can I just check something? Do the Yankees have a fucking hit tonight? They have, let's see. They have 3 hits. They have 3 hits. 2 singles. One of them an infield single. Um Anyways, hold on one second, I got a text. Um, no, uh, Brunson putting on a, an amazing footwork display time and time again. I mean, how many times do we talk about this? He's just out there cooking Okoro, Garland, Donovan Mitchell. It didn't matter. 
hunting those Donovan Mitchell switches and creating offense out of it, whether it be scoring on them, finding bigs at the basket, kicking it out to open shooters in the corner. We got all of that yesterday. You know Brunson, he, he, he's that clutch guy for the team. And we think of clutch in the final five minutes. Sure. But I thought a key moment in this game was when the Knicks were losing steam in the third quarter. Cleveland erased that 15-point lead from the second quarter that the Knicks had, and they took the lead late in the third. But with the Knicks down a point late in the period, Brunson knocks down a huge three ball with six seconds left. And then he starts off the fourth quarter by pulling up from 12 feet. And all of a sudden, the Knicks have momentum again, and they're up five points early in the fourth. He ends up scoring eight points in the period. And it's a big reason for the win, obviously. But, again, with with Julius Randle out there in sabotage mode, Brunson has been the one holding it down like he's done all year, being their best player. He and R.J. Barrett have gotten the damn job done. Brunson was even playing some good defense in this one. I mean, he had some trouble getting around screens in the third, in the, uh, third quarter, but he had some good one-on-one possessions against Garland. The help defense was decent. But this kid's shot-making ability, his elite ISO game is on point. And he's become, he's really developing into a star. Knicks fans knew at worst they had themselves a decent player. But this year, it seems like he's gone closer and closer. He's, he's gone up the ladder each each week. He's gotten better. And I think Kenny Smith said it perfectly last night on TNT. You make your name in the regular season, but you make your fame in the postseason. I love that because I think that perfectly depicts who Jalen Brunson is. Um you know, not that Jalen Brunson cares, nor do I, but this guy needs more respect when the media talks about him. When they talk about the best, po- not him, but when they talk about the best point guards in the game, you don't really hear his name. I, I think he's better than a lot of those flashy names. I think he's more of a winner than guys like Trey Young. I think he's a better player right now than, than Tyrese Halliburton. I do. I think I think he's been good. In this series, we want to talk about the specifics of this series. The playoffs are the entire story. And look what he's done to Donovan Mitchell so far. They've both been polar opposites. Bickerstaff cannot find a way to contain Brunson, man. He's tried making a bunch of adjustments. Garland said he wanted the task. He was torched. If they trapped Brunson, he made the read. (laughs) Whether it was Hart on the weak side, finding Mitch for that lob and the Donovan Mitchell switch, a nice pass to Obi Toppin, how about the skip pass to Quickly? He made his passes. If he didn't make a pass, he'll score on you. That's what he did. The two Nova Knicks. (laughs) They've really, really done a nice job leading this team to wins ever since reuniting. And can you imagine being Josh Hart this year? You're playing meaningless basketball games in Portland, Oregon. A shithole of a city. Where they got offbeat shops and, and libraries over there. Fucking thugs who destroy the city when they want free shit. I mean, yeah, you're with Dame. And that's pretty cool. But it's a horrendous team. And, and basically an irrelevant franchise over the last 15 years. They either missed the playoffs or they're a first round exit. You're playing for nothing. It's a small market. 
And then one random Thursday in February, you get a call from your agent to play for the Knicks in Madison Square Garden alongside your old college buddy. Flash forward to two months later, and you're making big shots in your first ever playoff series in front of 20,000 New York diehards who bleed orange and blue and would go to war for their team. Just just day and night. It's nuts. It's got to be absolutely nuts to be Josh Hart right now. He is soaking it all up, too. He's enjoying the city. He has the whole NY in his braids. That's awesome. But, yeah, things are good right now for the Knicks. Got to finish the job, though. We're not done. Things can't be done. You got to take care of him at Cleveland. Leave them in their shithole of a city there. And come back home. Rest for a while. And get ready for round two. That's got to be the plan. Beat them in Cleveland and leave them there. Leave them in Cleveland. Don't let this thing go any further than what it is right now. Stop it at five. Go home happy. So that's it. We'll end our podcast after our trivia. Soon as we get back from break, stay with us. Be right there. We also have a website now for BD4. If you go to BD4blog.com, you can find the blog, the podcast links, and also where to find me on social media. Just go to BD4blog.com. Studio 69 Productions is a podcast production agency created by Leo Rodriguez to allow content creators to market their podcast. It's an online platform that will market your podcast or any other project that you're working on. Get in touch with Leo Rodriguez from Studio 69 Productions. You can find Studio 69 Productions on Instagram at Studio69NJ. Studio 69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. All right, welcome back. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ. The Knicks go up 3-1 after a massive Game 4 effort. This episode is about to come to an end, but we're going to finish it off here with our trivia. And then that will be that. So let's get to it right now. All right. Episode 514. For our trivia. On February 18th, 1997, which Nick knocked down a buzzer beater three-pointer to defeat the Suns at home? All right, on February 18th, 1997, which Nick knocked down a buzzer beater three-pointer to defeat the Suns at home? So let me know what the answer is, and I'll give you a shout-out. One final time, on February 18th, 1997, which Nick knocked down a buzzer beater three-pointer to defeat the Suns at home? That's it. I'm going to go and... um, I guess watch the rest of this garbage Yankees team. I mean, this team, I I, I could argue, I could uh, not argue, I could uh, rant about them, but I kind of just did in our latest episode. Um, but I'll save the rest of it for, you know, the Twins series recap. That's 
coming out later this week. Um, Jesus, they're 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 for for a team who's supposed to, you know, win a World Series for a team that has all the money in the world to try and build a World Series team. It's kind of impressive in a way that Cashman uses all that money to pick up players that the Oakland A's could even pick up. It's nuts. Go Knicks, though. We're in a good mood because we're talking Knicks right here. All right, and that's it. The Knicks win 102-93 in game four. Let's go. I'll see you the next one. This episode was brought to you by Anchor.